Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Man to Man podcast. I'm one of two fine voices on this podcast, Trayvon, and with me as always, Kelvin Dooley. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good. We're another episode in. Uh, I think we're getting pretty good at this at this point. And um, yeah, I'm ready to talk more sports with you, TV. Yeah, man, I would like to think so too. I would like to think we we've gotten pretty pretty good at uh, hosting this podcast. You know, we're we're this is episode like twenty one, and you know we've been doing this consistently for for uh, two times a week, or or at least we had a couple of hiccups, but pretty consistently two times a week. And uh, yeah, I think this has become something something that I guess we are somewhat uh, getting maybe not a professional and professionalism in, but you know, we're getting, getting pretty acquainted and pretty good at this. We're getting good. I have an idea for you. What's up? All right. So I thought, I, I, I think it'd be a great idea if before we kicked off our sports takes and opinions and debates, you crack open a Mountain Dew. But when I mean crack it open, we got to hear the actual sound like in the app. Right. Like That'd be the, the kickoff. Into the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I can wait 10 minutes to open my Mountain Dew. That's fine. Right. So we'll, we'll get through the national holidays or here, look, we can just continue to talk through it and work through it. But when you hear that cracking of the Mountain Dew, that's how you know the show is being started. That could either happen as as we open the show, whenever. we Again, we'll just talk through that part. But crack it open. That's how you know TV's ready to go. Yeah, I like it. I like that idea. I've already opened my Mountain Dew today, like I said. But in the future, yeah, I can wait till the show starts to open the Mountain Dew. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty good. Uh, but as for today's show, since we've already opened our Mountain Dew today, um, we're gonna we're gonna bring you guys some NFL predictions. We're just gonna um, go through each division, uh, probably for the coming Tuesdays, we're gonna go through each division. Uh, one division per Tuesday, and just predict how how those divisions will finish up. So, NFL fans, if you are just dying for the season to begin, uh, stay tuned on Tuesdays as we will most likely be predicting each division uh, for the next eight Tuesdays. And then we have some College World Series talk. The NCAA, uh, in my opinion, made a knee-jerk reaction um, and forced the team to go home before they were actually eliminated. The Atlanta Hawks dropped games two and three. We're going to talk about that today. The Los Angeles Clippers have stayed in the series. They stay alive with a win last night. And to lead off the show, of course, we will discuss our national holidays. We have a few good ones today. We'll start it off with Hug Holiday. Today is Hug Holiday, Kelvin. Uh, Do you plan on getting a hug or have you already gotten a hug? Um, And do you enjoy getting hugged? Are you going to be celebrating Hug Holiday in any way? No, I have not gotten a hug yet today. Um, you know, I'm going to go to work soon, soon after this, and I don't plan on hugging none of my coworkers. So yeah, I feel you there. <laughs> um, no, this is a holiday I would I would like to celebrate, but I think I'll pass on it today. Yeah, I think I think my best shot, you know, of course, since I live with my fiance, is is coming back home and getting a hug from her. Um, mm-hmm. she'll, pro- she'll probably be in bed by the time I get home from work, so I might not be celebrating Hug Holiday today myself. So uh, I would like to. I like a hug every now and then. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to be getting to celebrate it with, with having to go to work today. So National Camera Day. Um, I've dabbled in a little work with a camera. You have as well. Um, I know at least when we worked at the chart, we both took photos of our sports events. Um, and, of course, we, we play with the camera on our phone every day, probably. So, um, National Camera Day, is that something you got any plans of anything you're going to go take a picture of today? Probably not. Um, I, I was looking at cameras a night or two ago, uh, possibly just for uh, recreational use or podcasting myself. So, um, no, I, I enjoy behind you know being behind the lens, whether that's a real – you know, real camera or behind the cell phone lens. Just, I just like taking pictures, man. Yeah, yeah. Taking yeah. pictures is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and I, I know I mentioned just for those who, who won't know, I know I mentioned that we had both taken pictures while we were at the chart, which of course is the school newspaper at Missouri Southern State University. Uh, Kelvin and I were worked as, as a, a team for a couple of years on the sports staff, sports writing staff uh, at the chart. And then of course we had to take our own pictures um, because the staff wasn't huge. So we had to take our own pictures. I don't think I was that good of a photographer, but I enjoyed it anyways. <laughs> you know, um, when I was, so I would, yeah, I would take my own pictures like TV alluded to. And I would go to certain sporting events and I would bump into these athletes, you know, just throughout the week or at parties, whatever the case may have been. And I would be, you know, I would be the newspaper guy or I would be the photographer, you know, I would yeah. be the camera guy that would, uh, label me ass when I bump into these guys, and up until I had up until me introducing myself and letting these guys know my name, that's what I was to most of those athletes. Uh, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool to beat the camera guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Specifically, the the um the women's basketball team. I had that nickname for probably about two months before I told them my name. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, and last holiday we have today, June 29th is Waffle Iron Day. Um, I don't know about you, Kelvin, but I love a waffle straight out of the waffle iron. Like, you go to the hotels. I don't know if you've ever been to a hotel with, like, the, you know, uh, what they they call it continental breakfast. They've got, like, all kinds of stuff for you. You just eat free while you're at the hotel uh, staying there. But the waffle irons they have, you just pour the waffle mix stuff into the waffle iron, close it. It cooks for, like, two minutes. You open it, and you've got a perfect waffle and a big waffle. I love eating waffles at hotels. That's that's the one thing that a waffle iron reminds me of because I don't I've never had one at my house, but it always reminds me of when I was a kid. We would go on trips and stay at a hotel. I would always eat a waffle. Yeah, I love waffles myself. Um, I have a couple waffles in the fridge. I did not eat one this morning. Uh, hey, TV, if there was a such thing as Mountain Dew syrup, would you use it? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Most definitely, because uh, they, they have like right. strawberry flavored syrup and blueberry and other stuff like that. So honestly, that's probably you're, you're probably getting them caught up. They're probably going to make it now. They're, they're behind yeah. the game. They're yeah, I don't the think they, they should have already had Mountain Dew syrup. Yeah, it doesn't so it doesn't seem far fetched. Mountain Dew is no. already a thick, you know, soda, sugary soda. I mean, you can just turn it's it's a syrup technically. You can just. You, uh, straight out the can, it's syrup that you're drinking. So why not turn it into an actual maple syrup? I, I think it's a great idea. Yep, I think so too. Absolutely. Uh, so Mountain Dew, if you're here listening, you know, make make your uh, syrup already, so that way we can try it on our waffles and pancakes. Maybe me and Kelvin can just do a podcast together in the same house while we eat Mountain Dew Mountain Dew waffles. Uh, That's a great idea. <laughs> uh, but into the show. The Clippers, as I mentioned, they they stay alive with a Game 5 win to avoid elimination from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Paul George had a career night, uh, 41 points. Can't remember the number of rebounds. I think like 13, uh, but a big game. Uh, his, his best playoff game to this day. Um, Kelvin, what do you think about the Clippers? Does this give them some momentum going forward, or do you think they're done in game six? No, it, it certainly gives those those guys momentum. Uh, it, it would be foolish to count these guys out of any series uh, with or without Kawhi Leonard. Like, I don't think they're championship material without Kawhi, but to survive a series, to win a series, which is kind of goes against what I just said, I, they, could, they could do it. I, I, Paul George is – well, his best game ever played was last night. I mean, you won't get that night after night from from PG, but I don't know. This this team is so up and down. I I don't know. They they had a great game last night. Paul George, forty one points. You you didn't you couldn't really remember the rebounds. Forty one, thirteen, and six six assists, and he okay. even went in with three steals as well. So he I mean he played a magnificent game. He shot seventy five percent from the field. Yeah, fifteen. I mean, he was, yeah, wow. he was he was magical, especially in that second half. Um, you know, he was he did he did his thing. So uh, that third quarter is when he really took off. I think he had twenty points in that third quarter, and he capped it off with ten in the fourth. So 
Uh, and he, and he, he hit all his free throws, which is something he struggled with leading up to that game, game five last night. So That's a good point. Uh, I'm glad you pointed that out. He went five yeah. of ten. He went five of ten in that game two, where DeAndre Ayton uh, won it on the alley-oop play. Uh, he went five of ten that night. So going eight of eight, he, he stepped it up. He, he figured it out at the free throw line. I'm not sure what was haunting him before, but he figured it out at the free throw line, and he just had a great game. I mean, all over the floor. Done every facet, every shot. I mean, he shot well from three, two, seven or something. Three of six, maybe even. Um, so, I mean, he shot he shot well from beyond the arc. He shot well at the free throw line. Shot well in general uh, and collected 13 rebounds and six of six. Just yeah. a great game from Paul George. Yeah, Marcus Morris got up to a great start. He finished with 22. Yeah. Uh, I've said this before. I don't know what the hell got into Reggie Jackson. But I'm telling you for all Reggie Jackson right now, like if hey, this is I've never really bought Reggie Jackson stock. Maybe the last time I did was probably when he was backing up Westbrook and OKC. Since then, I was out on him. I've never been so in on Reggie Jackson in my life. The <laughs> uh, Marcus Cousins gives you 15 off the bench. All of a sudden he makes a, a, a big appearance. He and truthfully on that Valley Oop, the, the game winning alley Oop to DeAndre Ayton. Uh, if there's one blame, if there was a piece of the pie, blame pie had to give, the hugest slice goes to DeMarcus Cousin and his poor inbounding defense. Um, so he stepped up in a big way in game five and, and, and gave him 15 off the bench. So they played they played a good game yesterday. Um, and then the Suns, Devin Booker and Chris Paul just got to play better. It, it's really that simple. Like they just – they haven't played what the last, what, three – last three games. Um their plus minus combined was negative twenty five last night. So I, they just got to be better, man. I, I don't, I don't know. This series is very much winnable for the Clippers if they continue to uh, go seventeen for. I, I remember like uh, seventeen for like forty, seventeen for forty. That's not the exact number. Seventeen for forty three, forty one. They were, they were just bad. They got to be better. They just have to play better if they want to submit their um or um, get to the um like what's the, the NBA finals. Yes, yeah, yeah. If they, if they want to move on, they've got to be more consistent, I think, is their main thing. But real quick, before we jump into our next topic, I'm going to give you a rundown because I'm, I'm glad you were nice to the Clippers because I wanted to get this off my chest today, and I'm not going to be so nice this time. I've been high on the Clippers. I'm ready to, to let, the, let them have a little bit of my, uh, I guess, just let them, let them know what they're messing up. Uh, game one, well, actually – let's not go back to game one yet. I just want to say they're down three, one, they make it even three, two and Kawhi Leonard is still setting out. And I'm talking right now to tell Kawhi Leonard that he better come play some basketball because I don't care how hurt he is. Unless if he just can't walk, this man should be on the floor. Paul George is playing the best basketball. He's probably played in the last like four seasons or the best, most important basketball is what I'll say. Like this is his best basketball in the most important time of the being the playoffs. Of course, this man is playing at a level that we haven't seen in a long time since he was an Indiana Pacer and leading a team that had not very many weapons, but now he's leading a team who's good enough to go to the finals and his Batman Robin situation, his guy, his go-to one-two punch man is sitting on the sideline. Kawhi come play some basketball, man. These guys need you to make it to this series. And we've already seen what the Clippers can do with Kawhi coming back from 2-0 to the Mavericks and from 2-0 to the um, Jazz. They're, they can come back from 3-1 now that it's 3-2. If Kawhi comes back, I got the Clippers in these last two games. But they need him to come back. It's not going to happen. But this man, this man should be on the basketball court. I don't know how severe this injury is. I don't know what exactly it is, but – like I said, if he can walk and jog a little bit, this man can make this team better. He should be on the floor. You know, I, I can't believe I'm going to going to defend Kawhi Leonard right here. Uh, TV, I, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 you're wrong. It, it, I know this is one of your favorite players, if not your favorite player. And um, I look, I just you shouldn't be holding out any hope that this man is returning to a basketball court anytime soon. All right, if there's one thing we know about Kawhi is that we don't know about Kawhi. All yeah. right. <laughs> so um I just let it be. He he's not coming back. 
I, I, I don't want to say I have an issue with him sitting up there in the suite, but do it that. does raise eyebrows, and I can't act too surprised. So, I look, just let Kawhi be. That's that, I guess that's my defense of Kawhi Leonard. I'm just going to let him be. All right, so when the Clippers, when they lose, then I'll come with the onslaught of hate like I typically do. But right now, I'm going to defend Kawhi Leonard. Like, the man is just going to Kawhi-type things, which is say nothing and do nothing. And when he is hurt, he is out. There is He may be one of two or three players, Anthony Davis included, Kyrie Irving, that when he is out, he is out. There is no coming back. He doesn't. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He just he just Kawhi's. Okay, so <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, gonna def- I'm going to defend Kawhi right there. He just let him be because he's not coming back in this series. The, and even if they make the finals, he's not coming back in the finals. When he is out, man, he is out. This and I and I agree, but that's why I'm coming at at him, I guess, or I want to come at him. He this man this like this is the time that his team needs him most. Paul George is playing his best basketball. Kawhi doesn't even have to be Kawhi. Kawhi can be just there, just there as as a good basketball player and to, to maybe get a few buckets while Paul George plays the best basketball he's played in a long time. I appreciate you being consistent, you know, with your injury stance because I know you're a man who, who you know, who, who does really care for injuries. Uh, you just want to see injured players or non-injured players be out there playing, uh, broken leg or not. Well, you, you expect to see a broken leg man out there playing basketball. So I, well, I, I appreciate you being consistent with the injuries and not saying, hey, since you're injured, stay out. Well, but, but what is his injury? Did, did we ever hear that he's, like, absolutely done for the playoffs or is it just like a – Oh, maybe Kawhi's gonna be done for the playoffs, and and that's my point. Like Kawhi doesn't he? What I've heard and read is that he is currently seeking out his own doctors and seeking second opinion. So no one knows what the actual injury is. I am certain that the Clippers don't know what the injury is. Is and even if they do, they they haven't talked to Kawhi enough to see where his stance is at and if gotcha. he wants to continue to play basketball. To my well, point, Kawhi it just does Kawhi. Well, okay. unless if his so leg he's is out, man, he is done. Unless if his leg is shaped like an S, he should be on the court. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, man, I think the Clippers have been right there all series, and it just kills me to see Kawhi sitting on the sideline because if you look at, I'm gonna real, I'm gonna make this quick because we need to get on to the next one. But if you look at the games, game one, the Suns just barely pulled away at the end. I think they only win by six. Um, game two, they only won on an offensive foul on an alley-oop. And, yes, I'm going to be I'm gonna be that guy. That was an offensive foul on DeAndre Ayton because he held Ivica Zubac's jersey and walks him into the screen. Playoff basketball. It's playoff basketball. Walks, Come on. Him, walks him into the screen that was set up for him. That's an offensive foul. But, but look, it's the last play of the game. They're not going to call that, and I don't expect them to. But they only lose because of an offensive foul and a perfect pass from Jay Crowder on an alley-oop. So great play, great was set up perfect, and they lose. Uh, you 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 can take that one. Game three, they come back and win by fourteen. Game four was just a weird basketball game where both teams only it's eighty four to eighty. Um, so I mean, hard fought, tough shooting night, close game, and then they come back and win game five by fourteen again. They're the only team that's won a game by double digits in this series. Unfortunately, they got the tough end of a few close games. Um, the Clippers have been right there, man. And I think with Kawhi Leonard, I think they win this series un- without question. I-, I don't even think – like, like it might still be a good series, but I think the Clippers take this 100%. Like, I, I, would-, I would not question it at all. Before I move on, I'll push back here. Um, if-, if we're assuming Kawhi is on the court and playing, then I think it's safe to assume we don't get a COVID Chris Paul and we don't get a broken nose Booker. I'm not so so the Clippers move on and beat the Suns. I think the Suns are a better team. Uh, now to on to the Eastern Conference Finals, where the Hawks take on the I wanted to say Sixers so bad the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> in Game Four uh, after Milwaukee goes to Atlanta and takes Game Three. Um, I guess the big storyline heading into this game TV is Trey Young and his ankle injury. Yes. And how does he fare in game four after having a day off? TV, your thoughts on game four tonight in Atlanta? Uh, I think Trey plays. Um, I, th- I think he's going to have to tone it back. I'm not sure um, what. 
but you know I, I'm sure he'll have to try and take it easy. Um, as hard as that's going to be in a playoff game, I, but I think he plays. Uh, this this team's down two one. They need him. I think they're a much different basketball team without him. Not that they aren't good, but I think they're a much different basketball team without him on the floor. I think he plays, um, but I think they might have to switch up their game plan a little bit for game four in order to try and protect Trey Young in that ankle if it isn't a hundred per if it isn't at a hundred percent or you know heck if it isn't even you know good and and, and ready to go on. I, I don't know. I don't know how severe it was, but clearly it was severe enough for them to to list him as questionable. So, give um, credit for being consistent with the injury takes. He says they may have to take it easy on Trey Young. What is it going to be, TV? Is he going to go out there and play playoff basketball, or is he going to take it easy in the Eastern Conference Finals? So, so Think here's, the deal. here's the deal: if he goes out on the floor, then he's a man for going out and playing through an injury. <laughs> But if the coach if the coach wants him to take it easy because that seems to be the NBA thing, then they may uh-huh. switch up their they may switch up their game plan to allow for him to play a little uh, softer, maybe on that ankle, maybe a little less uh, attacking the basket, um, you know, and, and going in, up in there with the land of giants, maybe less floaters, uh, maybe that maybe they use him more as just a, an assist guy, which he's great at. Um, so may, maybe less less of the float game, which would probably take away from the pick and roll game, which hurts Atlanta if they use use that pick and roll less. But um, nonetheless, maybe, maybe they just find a way to, to, to utilize Trey differently. I hope he's on the court because if he's not on the court, I'll be coming at him next. Get on the freaking floor, man. We ain't got time. We ain't got time to be injured. It's the playoffs. <laughs> All right, so check this out. I When I look at the Bucks, I, I swear I see the Sixers. Like, they – Again, I've said this before. They're constructed similarly. Uh, they have similar play styles. They like to be in transition. Their best big, their best players are the big men and Giannis and Embiid. Both of those guys are dominant at their respective positions. Absolutely. They're much longer, much taller, uh, much heavier than the, the Hawks. Um, they're just constructed the same, and they have similar play styles. And with that being said, if the Sixers had Chris Middleton, it would be. It, the series would have ended already for, you know, the Sixers will be in this position. The Sixers don't have a closer. Guess who has a closer? It's the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's Chris Middleton. And what he did in game three was nothing short of phenomenal to close out uh, that game three with 20 points in that fourth quarter alone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was, that was, that was, I was watching that live. So that was, that was magnificent to watch. Um, so Bogdanovich is on half a leg, or at least on one leg. And Trey, Trey Young rose his ankle. We don't know the severity of it, but he was clearly hampered the rest of that game. TV, I think it's over. The Bucks win this one, then they close it out in game five. Um, you know, look, the, the Hawks have had a great run. It's been a joy to watch. Trey Young is now, like, supplanted himself as one of those guys that can carry a team, uh, regardless of how young he is and his lack of experience, he carried a team to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't care what conference it was in, like he did that. Because um, I gave LeBron all the credit for doing that for eight straight seasons out of that conference. So Trey Young deserves that uh, credit as well. Uh, but it's a, like, to, for, for both of their guards, their best two guards to be hampered like that. At, um, and Bogdanovich, if you want to talk about a man, to be out there playing on one leg is that. You know, because I think he, he came into this series with a knee issue or it was out the game one or two. Yeah. Uh, so it's over. I think the Bucs uh, smell blood in the water. And I think they're going to attack, man. They're going to go crazy. And at some point, if you are Nate Miller in the Hawks, uh, I like to think of myself as an historian to this game. Grant Hill, the, one of the greatest players that never was, his initial injury was an ankle injury. And he went out there and he balled and he balled and he balled. Excuse me, and he balled where eventually he had to retire short um, or early because, you know, his, his body couldn't sustain the injuries. I wouldn't, I would hate to see that with Trey Young. So if he is not himself, which I assume he won't be, and he plays horrible, if I'm Nate McMillan in the Hawks, I wouldn't be opposed to shutting him down and just, uh, you know, and submitting a defeat here. Uh, Cause it's not worth, I know TV wants to see guys go out there and, and bust their butts on 16 different injuries, but it's not worth it. <laughs> Okay, it's not worth it. If if he can't play and be a hundred percent, hundred percent himself and give him an actual opportunity, it's not worth it. You guys have had a great season and great run. The better team will win out. And um, yeah, I think the Hawks should keep that in mind. 
with, with specifically Trey Young because you don't want to you don't want to give it all in this one series when this guy is proven for the next ten years he's going to be an issue. Yeah. So I and, and I get that. And but here's here's why they play him and here's why they let him play if he wants to. If if Trey if Trey thinks he's ready to go, here's why. He's young. He's 22 years old, man. He's younger than I am. This man's got a lot of time to recover from injuries. When he's 22, he can handle an injury and recover from it. When he's 32, like LeBron, or 38, or 75, whatever, when he's older, like some of these other guys in the NBA that are dealing with injuries, then you might let him rest a little bit. He's got less time. He's got less his, – his body's not as agile. He's not going to recover as well. He's 22. He can recover. Uh, let him go play if he if he wants to. If he, if he says he's good to go, let him go play. My final thought: I keep it short. You got to protect yeah. guys from themselves, and this is the COVID season where they played, you know, seventy two games in you know one hundred and twenty days. That, that that's not normal. And yeah. then you add in playoff intensity after that. You got to protect some guys from themselves. If he, you know, even if he can play. Yeah, you should heavily consider shutting him down. Don't shut him down because this series isn't over. Last thing, I'm not. I'm still out on the Bucks. I've been out on, out on them all postseason, and here's the only reason I'm still out on them because they look good. But Chris Middleton is becoming Giannis's hero. Giannis can't close games. He has to have Chris to do it. And on a night when Chris isn't hitting, which he's been pretty consistent this postseason, but he's not hitting every night. And on a night when he's not hitting. They don't have their closer because Giannis sure can't do it. We've watched him pass the ball off to Chris to let Chris do it. I think this Bucks team is still vulnerable because their best option can't close basketball games. And uh, Bat- Batman is almost turning into Robin. And uh, Batman might be Chris Middleton instead of Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I think the Hawks still stand a chance. So because Giannis can't, clo- Giannis can't close basketball games. And that's why I think the Hawks are still alive. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. We'll, we'll discuss that again on Friday. Wrong. Okay. So wrong. All right. Into the college into the college World Series. As I mentioned, I think it was a knee-jerk reaction, Kelvin. I don't think this was the right move. I think they just got nervous. Um, NC State had some COVID protocol. Uh, some guys apparently either um, – and they had two – move on they they weren't able to play their next game their elimination game with Vanderbilt uh, a team that they had already played um, and had already came across these these same things but they unfortunately but they fortunately Vanderbilt didn't have any COVID symptoms didn't have anyone with COVID um, so Vanderbilt gets to advance NC State gets a, a, a no contest and NC State is forced to go home because of COVID I get it. I get that they're trying to be safe. Um, but if one team was at risk of COVID, then the other team must have been too because they were right next to each other on the field already. Um, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I think, I think it was a bad move, and I think they, not that Vanderbilt, not that Vanderbilt wouldn't have won. I don't know who wins or loses that. Um, I know Vanderbilt was coming out of the losers bracket though. Um, and, and they were in the middle of making a comeback like some of those softball teams we saw make comebacks. But I'm just – I'm not sure why the NCAA, and especially at like 2 a.m. is when they announced it, why they would announce that NC State couldn't play their baseball game. Was it a knee-jerk reaction? Probably so. Was it the right decision? I, I, yes, I think so. I think it was. Um, look, I mean – this is the consequences. I mean, you know, I, we can't act like this is a new decision. We can't act like this, you know, yeah, um, sure. isn't to be expected. You know, you come down with COVID. Hey, I mean, sorry, what you know, your dreams are now dead, and the yeah. NC State has to get sent home. So, I know, um, yeah. you know, according to uh, the reports, there was only one player that came down with it. Yeah, but. Um, what I what I heard, uh, the North Carolina head coach, uh, he had said some of the staff or a few players had felt like they were battling a bug, right? So he kind of put that out there anyway. Like he kind of naturally just said, "Hey, yeah, guys aren't feeling well." The next day, a player tests positive. So, I mean, 
he kind of threw his team yeah, under the bus. He kinda, yeah, he just kind of – I don't you – know, he doesn't get the blame. I don't say that to, you know, uh, throw blame his way, but he kind of put he kind of put it out there, and then the next day a player tests positive, and you got to do his best for, you know, the rest of the College World Series. So, yeah, they did beat Vandy. I think it was 1-0 the, the, in game one. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that they win games two and three to, to beat Vandy. Vandy is what over the last 15 seasons and maybe even longer has been an elite uh, baseball program for sure. Uh, specifically known for their pitching, they they dominate in pitching. And I love that Vandy has throughout the years uh, a lot of black pitchers. You don't really see that a lot, specifically in the major league. So the fact that they crank out elite African American pitchers is great, but um. Yeah, I mean that's just I mean that's the nature of it, man. It, it, when we're out of the pandemic, uh, we won't have to deal with this. But I would just encourage those who who feel safe enough and comfortable enough to take the vaccination, take the vaccination, and um, you wouldn't have to deal with this. Like the WNBA, I, all of their teams are vaccinated. Like two percent, six percent have not been vaccinated in the WNBA. Uh, I know that's a completely separate thing, but. Um, that just goes to show they won't be dealing with none of these circumstances. Why? Because they're vaccinated. And I don't yeah. say that like the vaccination is the answer, but surely it could go a long way in, in uh, the solution of this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as for the College World Series, I think that's a good point because, like you said, I, just they did the right thing. Uh, probably a knee jerk reaction still, but, but it was the right thing because we saw it in March Madness. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it happened with, I can't remember the name, but Virginia. Co- maybe VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, I think, uh, was playing Oregon, and they got COVID, so Oregon got to advance. Um, But nonetheless, yeah, I think that's the right move. As for the College World Series itself, now that we're in the championship series, Vanderbilt has beaten Mississippi State in game one, eight to two. Uh, Game two is tonight at six o'clock. I think think I'm taking Vandy. They're they're just going to end it now. I don't even think this goes to the games. I think Vandy, like you said, they're, they've been a staple in college in college baseball for a long time. I think they end the World Series tonight and beat Mississippi State. Probably so. Uh, I, you know, I think the safest bet is Vandy. Uh, I yeah. spoke to their pitching, but again, they've been elite not just with their pitching, but at the plate too. It's, it's, it, like you just said, they've been a staple in, in their respective sport uh, the last two, three decades. Vandy is a really a powerhouse, and. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think they ended tonight. I, they're the safest bet, and I think they win it all. Yep. Okay, Kelvin, you can round us up then with our our NFL predictions today. Yeah. So as TV alluded to earlier in the show, we're going to predict the division winners and just talk about a little bit of NFL football during the the dead parts of the season for the next eight weeks, uh, division by division. Today, we're going to start off with the AFC least. I'm sorry, the AFC <laughs> East. I think it's called, and um, that's the that is the division division with the Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, and I'm choking on the other team, Jets. Yes, of course I forgot the the, the Jets. Easy, that was easy. Yeah, uh, TV. Let's start with the Patriots. So, uh, the Patriots had a huge off season. Uh, they spent a lot of free agent money, uh, and they seem to be getting back to their old ways. Uh, you know, with their sets, two tight end sets. Uh, they drafted a quarterback as well in the first round of this NFL draft. Uh, was it, what was his name, Mac, Mac Jones? Yes. Um, I, I was excited about the Patriots last season, but they had a lot of COVID drops out, dropouts uh, prior to the season. They struggled on offense, uh, a lot of inconsistency there. The defense quite wasn't as good. And then heading into this season, TV, there's a lot of talk about uh, Stephon Gilmore possibly being traded. And, um, yeah, how, 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 how soon do we see Mac Jones in the first season? So I'm excited to see the Patriots play this season. I think they're the, before we get to the Bills, I think the Patriots are the second best team in this division. I think they're still better than the Dolphins. Uh, and then I just trust Bill Belichick. I don't have no reason not to trust him. So uh, now that they spent that money and they're putting a lot of their pieces back in place, I trust that Cam Newton, given that he stays healthy, I think he can make that work. This is probably the most talented team he's ever been surrounded by, and I think he could. I think he's still an NFL, a winning NFL quarterback. So I'm interested to see um, how the Patriots all fit these pieces together well, and how and how Cam Newton leads this team. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I think the Patriots are still 
a contending team because, like you said, last year they had a lot of COVID dropouts that hurt them a lot. Um, yeah, specifically on defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I still, I still trust Cam Newton like you. I think I might trust him less. I'm not sure exactly where you stand on him, but I, I'm almost out. I would say on him, but not yet. I think he can still get it done. Um, I'm just, I'm questioning it. And, and with the drafting of Mac Jones, I think, I think his leash might be short. Um, they, they might give him this entire season if they're playing, you know, at least like 500 football. Um, but nonetheless, I think his leash might be short since they drafted Mac Jones. Um, but I think Cam can still get it done. I think he's obviously still a day one starter. And, and like I said, heck, I think they might give him the whole season. Um, I'll go ahead and say you said you thought they were the second best team. I'll go ahead and tell you where I think they're going to finish. Um, I think with the addition of those tight ends, I think that helps Cam out because he's clearly had success in the past with the tight end position uh, and Greg Olson in Carolina. Um, I think the Patriots have a chance to still be good. I see them winning nine, maybe ten games and finishing second in the AFC East. That that sounds about right. Like you got the Bills who were just an AFC title game. The Dolphins who everybody is high. Those guys surely the not a nine a nine win team to go what nine and eight on the season. Mm. Um, that, that sounds about right in a tough division. That sounds about right. I wouldn't, yeah, I would, I wouldn't really push back. That's a tough division. Uh, a lot of talented defenses in that division, or at least with the the Dolphins and the Bills. Um, yeah, I, that not an eight sounds about right. I I would probably I could probably get those guys ten if I if I trust yeah. in Cam Newton think the way I think I do, I could see 10, 11 wins in the 17-game season. I would top them out at 10. Um, I have them as a 9 or 10 win, 10 win team this year and taking second in the AFC East. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills since we've already kind of talked about them a, a, a good amount. Um, as for the Buffalo Bills, we, we know what they've got. Josh Allen was great last year. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, they had John Brown. I'm not sure if he's still a Buffalo Bill, but he was a part of the team last year too. Uh, Cole Beasley, of course. Um, their running back position worries me. Their defense was solid, especially the secondary. I think they had a good secondary. Um, I like I like the safety Jordan Poyer a lot in Buffalo. Um, I think they've got they've got good athletes. They've got good players. I think the running back position, like I said, I think it concerns me the most. I don't think it concerns me enough for them to not be the winners of the AFC East. Um, I would pick the Buffalo Bills to win this win this division just solely based on uh, Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs' ability to, to get in the end zone. Um, but I think they can improve their running back position. Hopefully uh, they had a couple of guys last year that, that carried the ball. Hopefully one of those guys can step up and be a true number one running back. Uh, they were kind of all back and forth with, with their running backs um, sharing, sharing the load. But I think, I think Buffalo is still good enough to win this division. And I see them as probably an 11 Maybe 12. I think 12 is pushing it, but 11, 12, 11, 12, one team. Yeah. So, yeah, Buffalo's head and shoulders above the, the second best team who who I said would be the Patriots because uh, they got it. They have an elite quarterback in, in, in uh, Josh Allen. Very My nice. biggest thing with the Bills, and I got to see the Bills twice last season. So, I, I, I can say this with a lot of confidence um, in the regular season and the AFC title game. The Chiefs are able to expose those guys their defensive line for their lack of pass rush. And then the Chiefs were able to at least pressure Josh Allen. He's a really hard guy to sack and take down. Uh, but you can get consistent pressure against that offensive line. Uh, so I'm not sure how they've shored that up um, coming into this season. Uh, but outside of that, I think at the second level, they have some quality defenders uh, at the linebacking and then they had, uh, at the linebackers, and I think they have some quality guys in the secondary. Uh, but how they, how, if they can get to the pass rusher, that could be a really good defense. And um, similar to Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, you don't want to you don't want to rely all the time on Josh Allen's ability to create. You you, you play a dangerous game when you do that because then you get turf and toe right, and then you get you know just freak injuries that happen to your to your franchise quarterback, and now your franchise. Um, is in peril, at least for the season and for the future, if it's a lingering injury, right, that could alter his career. So uh, you got to protect your franchise QB. That guy has steadily improved over his first, what, three seasons in the NFL. Yeah. I could really see better this fourth season. 
Um, I can see him and Stefan Diggs improving that relationship and that connection. Uh, th- that's, the, that's the better team. You be- you brought up a good point. They got to be able to run the ball too, yeah. uh, similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. They got to be able to run the ball, take some pressure off the QB because I know those guys are great and they can win you some games. Um, but, man, you got to be able to run the ball sometime. You know, yeah. just, you know, you can't put the quarterback in harm's way all the time. If a defense can pin their ends back, and go get the QB, trust me, they will do it all game. So you got to be able to run the ball sometimes. Yeah. And I was drawing a blank on the running backs. I know one of them is Singletary, Devin Singletary, but I cannot think of for the life of me the other running back that the Bills used a lot last year. But Singletary, one of those guys um, that I think the Bills are going to look to hopefully step up and, and become that number one option. So that way you, you just – sharing the load is okay, but I think in the NFL it's nice to have that true number one running back rather than just kind of letting them both split the carries evenly and, uh, you know, just hoping one of them catches fire, you know, and has a good quarter or a good half um, to lead your team, you know, down down the field a couple times. So that way, like you said, you can take the pressure off the quarterback. And now we'll transition into the two lower uh, teams in the AFC East, Kelvin, the the two I think that we probably – we clearly both expect to finish three and four. It's just a matter of which one in which spot. Uh, we'll start with the New York Jets since they drafted a new quarterback. Kelvin, how do you feel about the Jets going into this season and Zach Wilson's uh, chances at, at leading them, you know, maybe to a better season? Uh, I, I can care less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can care less. Look, the Jets, I got to see those guys play last year as well because, you know, the Chiefs played the AFC East. And um, I wasn't impressed with the Jets then, and I'm not impressed now. Uh, they still got a lot of building to do on that roster on both sides of the ball. So okay. uh, Zach Wilson is the start, right? You got to get your franchise quarterback. So they think they have their franchise quarterback, and we'll see this upcoming season because he's going to take the snaps day one. So yes. I'll be interested to see him grow um, from snap one to the end of the season. Hopefully he can he can get some protection because they could not protect their quarterback last year, which was um, Sam Darnold. So – uh, or and whoever else stepped in, Joe Flacco maybe stepped in at some point as well. I, I don't know who stepped in as, as backup, but <laughs> hopefully that young man can be protected because you do not want to get your rookie quarterback uh, being hit his first season in the NFL. That's that just doesn't make for good football. I predicted three and fourteen. Um, I don't. I can't speak highly on the defense because I don't know nothing about their defense. I know they were bad last year. I, I, I think it's safe to assume they'll be bad this year. Um, I can easily see those guys with a top three pick again next season. Okay. So I think uh, I, I agree with you on the Jets. I think I think it's going to be a, a struggle. I think their offensive line definitely has to be better. I'm not sure if they made any acquisitions at offensive line. They clearly didn't in the first round since they drafted Zach Wilson. But that offensive line has got to be able to protect because, like you said, getting that young quarterback hurt is never good, as we saw last year with Joe Burrow. Um you don't want that. You don't want Zach Wilson getting hurt like Joe Burrow did in this first season. Um, so you've got to, you've got to, you've got to make sure you have protection for him for one. Um, and if they don't have that, it's going to be a long season. Um, but I do think you're missing something. I don't. I can't give you names off the top of my head because I'm just. I don't know enough guys. But I'm pretty sure they've got some solid defensive pieces. I don't think their defense overall is great, but I think they have some solid names on defense. Um, as do the Jets. Um, yeah, I can name Jets. one player, and that's Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams on the defensive line. They have a linebacker. I cannot think of his name right now, but they have a linebacker that stands out to me, and I cannot – Cunningham, I'm thinking, maybe. I cannot think of his name. Anyways, they, they, I think they've got some names. Um, I think they'll, I think they're going to improve a lot from game one to game 17, is, is, I guess is my main thing. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle to start, but I see them down the stretch maybe pulling out a few wins. I don't know what their schedule looks like exactly. Hopefully they don't have a gauntlet at the end of their schedule because I think that's when this team is going to start to mesh and look better because they still have some guys for him to throw to also. Um, um, I'm going to sit here and draw a blank on names too, but um, th- there were some targets last year for Darnold. I, I just can't. The Jets are just the Jets, right? I, I have a hard time remembering the names until the season starts or until I look at their roster. But nonetheless, the, the Jets aren't terrible. They've got some they've got some pieces, they've got some names. They're they're gonna have to build a lot um, in the future. I can see them improve I can see them improving down the stretch, but it's gonna be a long season nonetheless. 
Uh, but I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say that these New York Jets actually finish ahead of the Miami Dolphins because I'm – You're crazy. You I'm, are crazy. I'm out on the Miami Dolphins. I think both of these teams are going to be bad next year. Is this Mount, is this Diet Mountain Dew you're drinking now? What has gotten Never. into Never. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's talk about those Dolphins because I don't know what – I don't know what the LTV is talking about with the That's Jets. Um, as far as the Miami Dolphins, look, they're going to have an elite defense, in my opinion. Uh, again, I got to see those guys uh, play uh, uh, last season. They gave the Chiefs a run for their money. Ultimately, look, they didn't have the quarterback playing to beat Patrick Holmes um, on the, you know, in their in, in their building. So, um, look, this is all about Tua, right? You get him a, a, a young rookie style wide receiver. I think it was Jamar Chase. I think so. Yeah. Who they drafted? Who was who? Many believe was the best wide receiver in this year's class. So um, they got to figure out how to run the ball for the team. Uh, you just want to surround Tua with the weapons, and if he has the weapons, he has no excuses this year. So he's another year separated from his hip injury. He got a lot of snaps last season, even though it was in a abbreviated role. And, uh, yeah, we just get to see how Miami plays. So, I know he's, he's going to be able to lean on his defense because that defense is legit, especially in the secondary. Uh, they were able to get some pressure on the quarterback. They're young. They're athletic. They can make plays. Uh, their head coach is defensive-minded. Uh, I forget his name right now, but he's a great young coach. He's had He turned the team around immediately. So, yeah, I'm excited to see the Dolphins play. Uh, and it's all about Tua. All eyes will be on Tua next season. And that's why I'm doubting the Dolphins. Um, I didn't like what I saw from Tua for the most part of last year. And maybe you mentioned it. You got to see him. Well, of course. Well, of course, that means I got to see him too because I'm a Broncos fan, and we played. Right. We we played the same teams. Yeah. Um, Tua didn't perform well against Denver. Now, of course, Denver's known to have a solid defense, um, but Kansas City's defense isn't bad. Uh, they did not perform. Tua did not perform good against Denver at all. In fact, he got benched because we were beating them like 17-0 to zero in late in the game. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? No, he's not there anymore. Who would have been the backup? Uh, no, so, yeah, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. They So, Ryan started primarily of the a majority of the games, and Tua started the, other, the remaining and then backed him up the games that he was starting. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so- Ryan Fitzpatrick was starting. Okay, so yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in for him because Tua started that game, did not perform well. Like I said, they were losing like 17-0. And Fitzpatrick actually scored, I think, two touchdowns um, and, and brought the Dolphins back into it for a moment. Uh, the Broncos went on to win. But I just I'm not I'm not high on Tua. I don't like him so far. He's a lefty. No, no, not that all lefties are bad, but because Michael Vick was great, but I don't think Tua's gonna be Michael Vick. He's a lefty, he's not as fast as Michael Vick. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to be the quarterback that a lot of people expect Tua to be, or are hoping for Tua to be. Um, I'm out on the Dolphins, man. I think I think Tua struggles this year, and I think they have a bad year. I, I no. I I think that defense will be elite. So I it think will. that defense will. alone will get those guys what six, seven wins, five or five. I think five is a good minimum. And then, um, yeah, again, they tried to surround Tua with the weapons. They had some good players last year. They have a really talented wideout already there. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Devontae Parker. So, uh, you just – and Mike Jacecki at the tight end spot, who's a good young tight end. They got some guys. They got to be able to run the ball to take some pressure off of Tua, a young QB. Again, they drafted a really talented wide receiver. He has the weapons. He has the system. He's in the system for, for a second season. Uh, again, he's another year separated from hip injury. He has a whole offseason now to prepare properly for NFL football. I'm, I'm not lo- I'm not down or low on the Dolphins. I think they can be a good team. I'm not that high on Tua. So, I'm again, I'm interested to see how okay. he performs after what I just laid out. But okay. I think they can be a really good team. I really do. I'm, I'm with you on all that uh, because their defense is going to be good. It's going to be really good. Um, in fact, it could be the best in the division. I don't know if it will get its chance to shine. Yes, by far, by far. I don't think it'll get it. I, 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 I don't want to say I don't think it will get its chance to shine, but I'm afraid it may not get its chance to shine. Because if anyone knows anything about good defenses, good defense is going to waste. It's me. Because the Denver Broncos have had great defensive play 
for the last <laughs> decade, or for the most part of the last decade. And uh, for most of that decade, we have not had great offense since Peyton Manning left. Um, so good defense is going I seem to have experience on that, and I'm afraid that might be what happens with the Dolphins. I just don't trust Tua. But you're right. They do have weapons, and they did draft another weapon. Um, the only thing is the running game, which their running back did have a good – at least good games last season. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he did have some good games. Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's because they started four to six different running backs at some point. I, I, think I don't know right who the running back it was because they started so many of them, so I have exactly. no idea. Yeah, but there was one towards the end of the season that had some big games. Can't remember his name. Nonetheless, that's, that's a position, again, uh, like the Bills. I think they need to sure up the running back position. But if we're being honest, I don't know if anybody in this division has a good, solid starting running back because even the Patriots um, – use a committee type thing uh, and they don't have one solid running back. And I don't, unless a Frank Gore's coming back for his 52nd NFL season, I don't know who the Jets, <laughs> I don't know who the Jets are putting at running back. <laughs> well, how about this? I think, I think it's safe to say the best running back in this division is probably Josh Allen. <laughs> probably, if, if I'm yeah. making a good bet, I think the best running back is Josh Allen. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. That dude's talented. That's why he's an elite quarterback. Cause he can do it on the ground. And he can clearly do it through the air with that cannon of an arm. So that'll do it for our AFC predictions. I have the Bills 1, Patriots 2. I'm being bold, and it's probably a bad decision, but I don't like the Dolphins. Horrible decision. I'm taking the Jets at 3 and the Dolphins at (laughs) 4. Kelvin has the exact same minus. He has the Dolphins and the Jets flipped. Yep. And there you have it for the Man to Man podcast. Uh, Another episode, another LF. Neither one of us can talk today, TV. Yeah, I Another know. Episode in today. This is this will make for a horrible listen uh, if you get caught up in our stuttering today. Yeah, well, we we've been talking a lot today, and here at the end, we just uh, decided to stutter a little bit because we were yeah. our our mouths are probably tired. Probably so. Well, on <laughs> your end, it's probably too much to do. Uh, I've just been a boy talking my whole life, so um, okay. yeah. Another episode in the Man to Man podcast. We had, we appreciate the listen. Please comment. Let us know how good we are or how bad we are. I promise we'll we'll continue to get better, and uh, we'll do this again on Friday. Yes, sir. See you Friday. Thank you.